Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. We're back doing our national previews today. We are previewing previewing the ACC and the American Athletic Conference. Uh, we are sure to mix those two up, uh, ACC and AAC. Uh, so we'll go through just like we did with Pac-12 and Big 12, uh, go over the uh, divisional picks, which coach uh, we think is on the hot seat, venue we'd like to to visit, best game, most intriguing program uh, or most interesting program, and program on the rise um, for each uh, for each of these two conferences. And TJ Inman, our co-host, is joining us. I'm your co-host, Sammy Jacobs, and uh, let's get down to business. Uh, TJ, how are you? I'm doing great, Sammy. Doing very, very well. Uh, I, you know, IU fans, I think, have a lot to be happy about today. Um, and I'm excited to, uh, to preview another pair of conferences here. Uh, as you mentioned, it's ACC and AAC. We'll do our best not to get those two names uh, screwed up. Um, but give us a little bit of slack. We'll do it a couple times, but hopefully not, not too bad. Definitely. I, I think we've, we put the over-under at five and a half, and if you're a, a betting person, uh, you know, get your bets in before the show starts. Um, so here we go. Let's start with the ACC um, and, and go with your, your divisional picks. You know, this conference, much like the Big Ten, I think that there is a lot of comparison with the Big Ten. You have kind of one division uh, that's more or less loaded with the, you know, a pair of national title contenders and possibly three national title contenders. Probably not, but, uh, you know, a pair of national title contenders in Florida State and Clemson and then in the Atlantic Division. Then you've got the Coastal, which is, uh, you know, some, some very solid programs, some very good programs, but certainly no one that jumps out at you this year as a college football playoff contender. Uh, even in their wildest dreams for this coming season. Uh, but for my chance, I'm going to go with the Atlantic. I go Florida State. Uh, and then for the uh, Coastal, I'm going Virginia Tech. And I'll talk a little bit more about the Hokies later on. But uh, Florida State, for me, uh, DeAndre Francois, guy I was very impressed with last season. I think he's a high-caliber player. Their offense doesn't have any outright superstars yet, uh, but they do have some, some very – uh, very good players and some potential superstars. Uh, mainly their their backfield triumvirate of DeAndre Francois, Jacques Patrick, who's a junior that hasn't really had a chance to sign yet, and then Cam Akers, who uh, everything that I've read and seen about him indicates he's going to be a superstar uh, the moment that he takes the field in their first game against Alabama. Uh, so I, I'm really excited to watch him play. And I think Florida State's going to have a, a pretty balanced offense with Francois in that running attack and then a very talented defense with uh, quite a bit returning from a group that sort of fell apart with injuries last year. But I'll go Florida's uh, barely beating out Miami. Yeah, I, you know, Florida State's a no-brainer pick. Uh, Clemson loses a lot, uh, and, and that, but that game is up at Clemson. Uh, but anyway, yep. you've got to go with Florida State uh, with the returning quarterback and all the talent they have. In the Coastal, I went with Miami. Miami gets Virginia Tech at home. Uh, this is the the matchup that when the ACC uh, plucked Miami and, and Boston College and all those other teams out of the Big East, 
uh, around 2000 or so. This is the matchup they were thinking of. It's Miami and Florida State. Uh, it will be a, a bookend game if, if both of those teams make the ACC title game. It's their ACC opener as well. Uh, so it, it would be a yeah. rematch game, uh, but I, I think Miami has a tremendous defense. If they could figure out the quarterback position, uh, they should get through the Coastal pretty well. Yeah, a team that even goes 5-3 and three in that Coastal division should win. And then just the upper hand playing at home, even though Miami doesn't really have, <laughs> uh, you know, that home field av- advantage playing in what I think is called Dolphin Stadium. Uh, that name changes every other uh, year, it seems. They should win that game, and then uh, down for the state in uh, in the ACC championship game. All right, let's go to the opposite end of of the spectrum and go uh, coach on the hot seat. Well, it's really tough because I'm not sure there is one. The ACC's had quite a bit of turnover. Uh, you could say there's a couple of coaches that are. Um, another year away from the hot seat. If things don't go well this year, then they'll really be on it. Uh, Dino Babers, Steve Adazio at Boston College. If I had to pick one, I'd say Steve Adazio because he's been there longer, and they just can't figure out the offensive side of the ball on a consistent basis. It's it's more often than not. It's pretty ugly to watch. Um, so I'll go with Adazio Boston College. I don't think he's on the verge of being fired, but I think a, a you know, a season that sees them miss a bowl game, and they are in the uh, loaded Atlantic division, as is Syracuse. But a season that sees them struggle and maybe win only four or five games could have him very much on the hot seat heading into 2018. So I'll go with Dazio. Yeah, that, that's a, a good pick as well. Uh, you know, there, there are a couple coaches who, who were on the hot seat last year, kind of saved their job by going to a bowl game, and one of those guys is Dave Dorian. Yeah. And he can work his way back onto the hot seat. Uh, but NC yep. State should have a, a talented roster um, and finish in the middle of the pack in that Atlantic division. But I, I think Adazio, um, Adazio is a, a solid pick for that. Boston College just hasn't been able to make any any noise in the ACC since really since Matt Ryan was there. Uh, but no, you know we'll see we'll see what they do. I, I just you don't see it's, it's kind of a weird fit for them in the in the ACC uh, in terms yeah. of you're way north. You're not really. I mean, Boston's on the Atlantic, but it, it's a different brand of of football uh, than the rest of the ACC. So, you know, Boston College they they got into a bowl game last year, but they they just they they weren't that good the last. Few years that three and nine uh, season in 2015 uh, was a disaster. Uh, you know, you, you can't have a three and nine season. They bounce back. Adazio just it looks like he's plateaued at seven and six uh, since he's been there. And then this year's schedule is not not any easier. You have to go to Northern Illinois on a Friday night, and that's that's a tough place to play. We've seen ACC teams go down in Northern Illinois before. Then you have Wake Forest, a bowl team from uh, uh, a year ago, Notre Dame at Clemson, uh, Central Michigan at home, uh, Virginia Tech at Louisville, at Virginia and Florida State, and their bye week comes uh, November 4th before ending the season 
uh, with NC State, uh, Connecticut, which I think is at Fenway Park, and then uh, at Syracuse. Yeah. So if you could survive that first two-thirds of the schedule or first three-fourths of the schedule, you could get into to November. Uh, you're going to need two, at least two wins uh, or maybe even – to win out in November to make a bowl game. So that just it does not set up well uh, for Boston College to make it to a bowl game. And I think, you know, he, he might have bought himself some time last year, but that 3-9 and nine season in 2015 uh, did him no favors. It's his fifth year here uh, at, at Boston College. Losing record, he's 1-2 and two in bowls. Not a great home uh, home record at 14-12, and 12, and he's only 10 22 uh, in conference, and he is uh, 1-8 versus top 10 teams. And that top 10 win uh, came against USC uh, in 2014. Uh, so, you know, I, Steve Adazio is, is, while he might not be in the hot seat for the, the sake of our questions, he's the guy on the hottest seat in the ACC right now. All right, let's yeah. – uh, Move down to the venue you'd like to to visit. I, I, people, everybody should have the same the same venue. Uh, well, yeah, I, I it was a tiny bit of a tough choice for me for one reason. Virginia Tech. Uh, I would love to see what I think is one of the cooler pregame traditions uh, in college football, and that's you know the playing of Inter Sandman as the Hokies take the field, particularly at a night game. Uh, there in Lane Stadium, I think that'd be really cool. But let me go with Clemson. Uh, you know that that rundown Howard's Rock. Um, you know, just a sea of orange with a little purple mixed in there. Uh, it's I, I've seen the stadium. I have not been inside of it, but it's set in a you know it's a cool campus. Um, and then Clemson for me, I love Myrtle Beach, love South Carolina. So, you know, you can make a little uh, three- or four-day trip out of it and get some time at the beach as well. Uh, so I'll go with Clemson, uh, to, and I would love to kind of stand. I don't, you know, sit there. I'd love to kind of stand at the, at the hill right by Howard's Rock and, and experience that side of things. Uh, that would be a pretty cool experience. Yeah, I have to go Clemson as well. Uh, you know, I, I wish they still had the old Orange Bowl left. It was one of those iconic stadiums that you wanted to go to. Uh, they had a cool entrance as well. Uh, but Clemson, it, it's hands down the, the place to be in the ACC. Uh, you have the run down Howard's Rock. The students after the team runs down <laughs> r- rushes towards the field to get the best spots. Uh, yeah. The place is nicknamed Death Valley for a reason. Uh, the place is always jumping, and there's no place I'd, I'd rather be in the ACC on a Saturday night than Clemson. Uh, let's go best game. I believe we'll have the same one as this. I, I went uh, Clemson and Florida State. The winner of this matchup has gone on to win uh, their division uh, for what seems like forever. Uh, but this game is is at Clemson. And it's a, a real test for Florida State uh, going up there uh, to Death Valley, and and the winner of that should have control of the uh, of the Atlantic Division. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the very clear choice. I I don't know what number two would even be. Um, uh, you look at it, and I think it's very possible 
said, it's a college football playoff elimination game. I mean, I know that people want, you know, some people, uh, and that's a debate for another day, would like to see the playoff expand to eight teams. I'm going to love college football regardless of how many teams are in the playoffs, so I don't get too worked up about it. But you want an eight-team playoff, well, here's a quarterfinal right here, very possibly. Florida State at Clemson, November 11th. It's late in the season. Uh, Florida State after that has Delaware State. Then they got Florida. Then the ACC title game. So it's not a shoe-in that if they beat Clemson, they're in. Uh, But let's say they lose to Alabama on the opening night of the season. If they then uh, head to Clemson and lose, that's two losses, and I don't see how they'd get into the playoffs given the rest of their schedule. Uh, there just wouldn't be another really high-quality win on there. Possibly looking at 11-1, and uh, and if they can beat Clemson, then maybe a, uh, an ACC title game win that could put them at 12-1, and and there's no way they'd be left out of the playoffs in that scenario. So uh, it's going to be a huge game for both teams. It's turned into a, a real, real rivalry as both of these programs continue to be in the top you know, 5, 10 nationally and they're not slowing down in recruiting, so that's not going to stop as long as those two coaches are there. Uh, that's the that's the marquee game in, in the ACC, and it's one of the marquee games of the regular season. Definitely. It, it used to be the Bowden Bowl. It is no longer the Bowden Bowl, uh, but it is still no. the, the game to watch the ACC. I, I think second would probably be uh, Louisville at, at Florida State, Lamar Jackson, uh, they just absolutely destroyed Florida State last year. It's a revenge game for the Seminoles. Yeah. Uh, but anytime you can watch Lamar Jackson as well, uh, it, it could be outstanding. Uh, most interesting p- program? Oh, um, you know, Clemson and Florida State are both interesting because of their elite status. Uh, Louisville is interesting because of Lamar Jackson. Uh, but really as a program – I'm not going to gain any fans here uh, south of our state, but uh, I don't really care about anything that occurs in Kentucky. And i got to be honest, I think Louisville is one of the more sleazy athletic programs that's out there for a variety of very obvious reasons. Um, so, beyond Lamar Jackson, I don't really care to watch them. Um, in truth, I don't really find any of the ACC teams all that legitimately interesting, but I really, for whatever reason, I, I've got kind of a thing for Georgia Tech. I like watching them play. I think they're interesting because they've turned out a lot of quality receivers somehow in that offense that, you know, they rarely throw the ball. And when they do, it's usually not very pretty. But they've really turned out a surprising number of good receivers. Uh, and then they, I think that they are pretty interesting because, number one, Paul Johnson is a real crotchety guy that says a lot of pretty funny things. Uh, I like watching the triple option and how it works in a, in a power conference. I'm always interested in that. Uh, just the different, completely different style of playing the game um, versus their opposition. Everybody knows what's coming. It's just a question of whether or not you have the discipline and the athletes to stop it. Uh, and if you can't, well, it's going to be a real long day for you. If you can, it's going to be a real long day for Georgia Tech. So it's, you know, I just think it's really interesting that, the the complete polar opposite that they are to the rest of the league and how they've, you know, been mostly, I'd say, successful during Paul Johnson's tenure. But the question is, can he get back to being pretty successful as opposed to just mediocre? And that's that's a question I don't know an answer to. And I think another year of 6-6 or 7-5 
uh, Georgia Tech fans might start to get antsy about whether or not that can happen. Yeah, and I'm feeling this is not the last time we'll hear from you on the option uh, today. Uh, so no. uh, we'll see. We, we do have Navy coming up in the AAC. Uh, my most interesting <laughs> yeah. program is Miami. Uh, it's a program a who yeah. that area is loaded with talent. Uh, and the trick with Miami, it's a private school. It's a smaller school. They've kind of uh, de-emphasized football a little bit. They don't play on campus. Uh, they play at Dolphin Stadium. The crowds we saw under uh, Randy Shannon a couple years ago, there was like 400 people there uh, for for some games and, and all that stuff. But it's an interesting program because we've seen what Miami could be. Uh, we, we've seen the U. Yeah. And, can, and, you know, the interesting part is can they get back there? Can they do it the right way and get back there and compete with Florida State and Florida uh, for those the top in-state uh, the top in-state recruits? And then you're going to – you have USF is up and coming and UCF, two other teams we'll talk about later in the show – uh, who could step in and, and take some recruits as well from that area. So can Miami uh, become the U again? Uh, and then let's go program on the rise. Well, uh, you know, Florida State and Clemson aren't going anywhere, so it's really about who in that other division can rise up and be a legitimate challenger. I don't know if Virginia Tech can get to that level, but I think they can get pretty close under Justin Fuente. He's a tremendous coach. He's proven that already. And uh, I really like the way the Virginia Tech is recruiting if I'm a Hokie fan. I think that they're going to be, like I said, I picked them to win the division. Uh, they do have a question to solve it or a problem to solve at quarterback. Not really a proven option there. Um, but I, I like the rest of their roster. And I think that if Josh Jackson, who is a freshman, if he can step up and be a pretty quality quarterback that in time develops into a star, which he's got the pedigree to do so, then I think you'll see Virginia Tech's arrival um, maybe turn into the, if you will, the Wisconsin of their division and be kind of that consistent force on the other side. It's not quite a national title contender, but routinely they're in the top 15 to, to be a challenge every time you go up against them for either Florida State or Clemson. Uh, and make things just a little bit more balanced in that conference. Yeah, I, I'll go Virginia Tech as well. Uh, it's Justin Fuente is a heck of a coach. Uh, they'll recruit that DMV area well. Uh, they're the best program in that area right now, uh, yeah. even fighting off Maryland and, and UVA uh, and some other schools coming in to poach that area. But there's no reason that they – especially in that, in that uh, coastal division uh, where you can move up and down almost at will, uh, where it should take Virginia Tech uh, too much to get back uh, to where they were under Frank Beamer, uh, you know, in the, the 2000s and, and mid-2000s and stuff like that. But, you know, yeah. Virginia Tech gonna, is a safe bet with that. All right, best uniform. They're gonna have a nasty. They're gonna have a nasty defense this year too. I, I think. Uh, when I look at their personnel, I think they're gonna have a pretty nasty defense. That should be interesting to see them. And, and they do not. Uh, they don't draw either Florida State 
or Clemson, or I'm sorry, they don't draw Florida State. They do draw Clemson, but it is at home. So schedule-wise, they they got a pretty favorable draw as far as it goes. They could win 10 games this year uh, and kind of accelerate their their rebuilding, if you will. Not that they had a huge project, but um, I, I think that they're well-positioned, if you will. To, them and Miami are pretty well-positioned to battle it out for years in the Coastal. But uh, best uniforms. Um, you know, North Carolinas are cool. Uh, that's just, it's a good color, clean color combination. And the, the Argyle touches they've added recently are nice. Um, uh, and then you've got, you know, old school, uh, script Pittsburgh uniforms. I think those are really good. I don't like their, uh, their darker baby blue, but I think they're lighter blue with their, their lighter yellow as opposed to their, baby and gold. I think if they went with the, the lighter blue and lighter yellow all the time, I'd say pit, but they don't. Um, so I'm a sucker for orange, as I've said before, so I'll go with Clemson uh, as long as they don't go with their all-purple ones. I think the all-purple ones are a bit much. Uh, I'm fine with purple. I, I, I like purple, but all-purple is a bit much. So Clemson, uh, I think that they've got pretty clean, good look, and uh, if you go with orange with me, you're you're good. Syracuse, you screwed up by going with all gray. I don't know why they decided to go away from orange and navy and went with just drab gray uniforms. But, yep, Clemson's my pick. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, North Carolina. It, it's I, I just love that, that Carolina blue. They mix it well with yeah. the black. They have a good uh, – they have a good uh, choice of uniforms, a good variety of uniforms, and, and there's just something about that that Argyle and Carolina blue uh, that I really, really like. Um, so I, I'm going to go North Carolina. Let's go to the AAC. Uh, who do you have in your championship game? Well, uh, I've, I'm going to spoil some things and – say that I really, really like South Florida this year. Love the Bulls and Quentin Flowers. Uh, I've got them winning the East. And I have Memphis winning the West. That was a tough pick for me. Uh, Riley Ferguson's a very good quarterback. Bit inconsistent. They have good receivers that that are among the tops in the conference. Not the best group, but they're good. Uh, They've got explosive offense. But really, the reason I chose Memphis is because I have a lot of faith in Mike Norvell. I think he's proven to be uh, a guy that's not much longer. Uh, he's from a, a coaching family, and I, I think he's going to be at a power conference program if he chooses. I mean, the AAC, um, they deal with turnover in coaching all the time. Uh, but eventually, somebody's going to choose to stay. Besides Kendi and Matololo, somebody's going to choose to stay at an AAC program and make it a power, uh, at least on their level. Maybe it's Mike Norvell. Who knows? Um, almost went with Navy, but they only returned 10 starters, and Memphis does not have to play South Florida. Uh, so I will go with South Florida in the east, Memphis in the west. I went back and on Memphis and Houston. Um, it, it's just it's tough. It, uh, Houston's going to be breaking in a new coach under Major Applewhite. I do think USF is the clear favorite in uh, the other division. Uh, Charlie Strong has inherited it. Uh, I think, and 
you know, you're going to have uh, USF should win that East division by a sizable matter. Quentin Flowers, all all AAC, there's number one. Um, <laughs> mess up of the day. Uh, Quentin Flowers uh, was tremendous last year uh, for South Florida. He's back. And then, you know, just I, I'm taking Memphis uh, because they have their quarterback returning. Uh, Houston is going to bring in uh, Kyle Allen, who was at Texas A&M. He had to sit out last year. Uh, they, there were some holes that were poked into that program uh, last year as they ended the year uh, losing their final two games. Uh, then they lost at, um, at SMU and at Navy uh, as well. They finished with four losses on a team that was expected to go 12-0 and or 13-0 and and make, make – uh, Make a potential uh, run at a uh, at a New Year's Six game, uh, maybe even a uh, playoff game, especially after the the uh, ten point win over Oklahoma. But yeah, you know, I, I think there are too many holes in Houston. They do have to go, or they do get Memphis at home though, um, and that's big. The yeah, the top teams in that West Division, they get Navy at home, they get Memphis at home, uh, and then they have. Uh, have to go to South Florida uh, while Memphis does does miss South Florida. So it, it's Memphis's schedule is a little bit easier uh, for them uh, to take take control of that AC, uh, AAC uh, West Division. Which I don't I don't know why Navy's in the AAC West. They're they're about as east as you could get in the AAC. Well, nothing geographically about the AAC makes sense except for the name the American because it spans almost the entire freaking continent so um, that is true good luck good luck figuring out why they have done things the way they have Uh, but I mean at least at least there's some semblance of balance unlike some conferences we know and love yep Uh, there is some balance let's go to coach on the hot seat I believe we have the same one yeah, you know, again, just like the ACC, there is, uh, there's been so much turnover in this conference. Uh, there was a stat circulating, and I don't know, you know, where it originated. So I apologize for not being able to give credit. Uh, the first time that I heard it was on Athlon's uh, podcast that uh, Ken Niamatololo, uh has been at Navy longer than every other head coach in his division or in his uh, conference combined. And that's, I mean, that's, that's insane because Ken Niamatololo yes. is not old. I mean, he's a, he's a young guy in terms of coaching that has not been there forever. He's certainly been at Navy for a long time and it's established, but that's, that's a crazy stat. So that's a long way of saying there's not really a guy that's on the hot seat just yet, but, Carolina, Scotty Montgomery would be my choice. Uh, they had a terrible season last year. Went to three and nine, only won one conference game, and that was against UConn, who uh, fired their coach, Bob Yako, and uh, they were just a disaster on offense. So being them is hardly an accomplishment. Their other two wins were Western Carolina and a stunner against NC State. So it looked like they'd have a decent season, but things fell apart. Uh, and then this year, you know, they've got at West Virginia, they've got Virginia Tech, they've got South Florida, Temple, at Central Florida, BYU, at Houston. So by October 28th, I only see one win on the schedule, and that's the opener against James Madison. 
I mean, no. you could be looking at a one and seven start that you know has people looking around saying, well, uh, what are we paying for here? Uh, you know, Scotty Montgomery's a young guy; he's unproven, and uh, if things get off to a rocky start, totally fall apart. Maybe they look to make a change after just two seasons. Yeah, I, I picked Scotty Montgomery too. East Carolina has been a program that has been a pain in the butt uh, for many of the Power Five schools around the Carolinas. Yeah. They always upset somebody every year, it seems. They could go winless. James Madison did win the F- FCS championship last year, uh, and they're yeah. a good, FCS, great FCS team uh, that they are expected to go deep in the in their playoffs again this year. So, you know, that when you your first year is three and nine, you your your uh, leash is very very short, especially in a place like East yeah. Carolina, who's used to being uh, a giant killer and needs to be back there. And if they, you know, their Athlon's projecting them at three and nine again, uh, that that it's six and eighteen is just it's not good. You have to show some improvement. Their schedule is super tough. Um, he could be a guy who I know people want to, uh, I know athletic departments like to give coaches three years, but it back to back three win seasons. Uh, you're right. You got to say, Hey, what are we paying for here? Uh, and see if you could go, uh, go get somebody else. Uh, how about venue? Cool logo though. Very cool logo though for the pirates. It is. Uh, that, anyway. If we had a best logo, I would have picked the East Carolina. Yeah, that's hard to argue with. Uh, best venue, uh, you said I'd probably be mentioning Navy later, and I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to go with Navy as a place that I'd love to see a game. They see 30, 34,000 people uh, in Annapolis there on, on the campus of the Naval Academy, uh, the Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. I, I just think that would be such a unique experience that, I mean, there's – no place to go besides the military academies to get that type of experience, and I think it'd be something that I know uh, appreciate, and uh, I know that I, I'd really have a good time at and have a memorable experience at. I think that'd be the word that I would use uh, in my head, just thinking about what would uh, what would occur there. I think it'd be memorable uh, going to see a game there. With uh, at any service academy, but for the purpose of this this category and this conference, I'll go Navy, uh, and I I think it'd be a lot of fun. Plus, you know, I've, I've not been to uh, been to the Maryland or Baltimore area before. Uh, been to DC, but not the not kind of that Annapolis, Baltimore area. And it looks like a pretty cool place to visit. So I'll go with the Naval Academy. Yeah, Naval Academy. I, I would point out that West Point and Army is a is a terrific uh, place to watch football too. Yeah, uh, one of yeah. those traditional traditional places up in the Hudson Hudson River Valley. It's gorgeous in the fall, and I, as a native New Yorker, I will put in my uh, tour, tourism information uh, right there. Go see a, a college football game at West Point. It's it'll be fantastic. Um, but I'm gonna go Houston. I, they have a new gorgeous stadium. I love checking out new stadiums. Uh, it, you can see downtown Houston from it. Uh, they're a football-obsessed city. Uh, you know the tailgating is going to be pretty good with the, the barbecue down there. Uh, the only mm-hmm. issue with Houston is that 
I would go later in the year because if you go in August or September, it is going to be buggy and gross, and I, I'd like to miss that weather. I, I don't like the muggy and gross weather anyway. But I, I'd pick uh, I'd pick Houston. I'd want to see that new stadium. I want to see H Town take over, uh, and, and that you know maybe going down for a Houston Memphis game or, or seeing Houston take on one of those teams from Texas at, at home would be would be awesome. Uh, let's go best best game. Well, uh, since I'm so high on South Florida. And I, I think that they could threaten an unbeaten regular season, um, and therefore an unbeaten season overall. I don't think that even going unbeaten would get them in the playoffs, but it might, maybe. I just don't think their schedule's strong enough unless they were just totally obliterating everybody. Um, but I would go with the regular season finale, uh, South Florida at Central Florida. While I don't think a college football playoff berth will be on the line because that schedule is just not good enough uh, unless there's just complete madness elsewhere in the country. Uh, Central Florida is a team we'll talk about a little bit more later, but athletes all over the place on that field between those two teams. Um, And I think that South Florida will be playing to either – I think a, a New Year's Six Bowl is what would be on the line for South Florida. And I think that that is a very realistic goal for them to get into something like the Fiesta Bowl uh, and get a shot at one of those power conference teams, um, maybe from the Big 12 or, or, you know, the Pac-12 or the uh, SEC. And so I'm going to go with that. There's there's a couple of good choices, but I, that's it was a tough choice for me. But I'm going to go with that just because of what I think South Florida could be playing for and how many athletes and and NFL caliber players players will be on that field uh, on November 24th. So it's a, it's a Friday contest there Thanksgiving week. Yeah. uh, You're right about USF schedule. Uh, You know, their non-conference games are at San Jose state Uh, Stony Brook, who is FCS uh, at Connecticut, their AAC, sorry, Um, Illinois. And then, um, that's, that's, it. that's it. You know, that's not a, a playoff building resume. Uh, team yep. Teams would probably have to have two or three losses in order for them to jump them. Uh, but I'm going to go uh, US, uh, Houston at South Florida. I, you know, it's, it's a matchup of the two, probably the two heavyweights in, um, in the conference. It's a potential uh, championship game preview. Um, and Houston at, at USF on November 4th, uh, it, it, you have two of the better quarterbacks with Kyle Allen uh, for Houston and Quentin Flowers for USF. So there would be a lot of points, a very entertaining game uh, to put on uh, there in November, early November. Let's go uh, best uniform. Um, I went with SMU. I think they've got a really clean look. I think they have a you know classic color combination of red, blue, uh, and then white. And I think they use, utilize those colors pretty well. They've cleaned up the look quite a bit, taking away a lot of the kind of the frills that were on the uniforms in the past, uh, and gotten back to what I think is just a really classic look. I love their logo. I think it's a cool 
you know, Mustang. Uh, I think it looks nice. And then I, I really think the boldness of blue and the red is what does it for me. Uh, and then I like the three different helmets they have. They have a uh, kind of a flat blue, uh, kind of a glossy red, and then a, a white. All three of them, again, just very clean, classic uh, looks, and a, a color combination is hard to do hard to do too much wrong with uh, if you just keep it pretty simple. And I think SMU is a Nike school, and uh, as Nike typically does, they keep things fairly simple, which can be described as boring to some, um, but for the most part, unless they're going over the top, they do a pretty good job, I think. And uh, So I went with the SMU Mustangs. I will say, though, uh, Navy has had a couple of uniforms that just look tremendous, mainly the white helmet once they broke out uh, last season that look awesome. But in general, I'll go with SMU. Yeah, and you stole my thunder there a little bit. Um, I know the, the uniform is everything, uh, but Navy's helmets are the best in the conference, hands down. They had the, I think they wore the, the hand-painted ones with the warships on it. Uh, they had yeah. the, the white with the anchor, your classic gold Those one. amazing. The white with the anchor uh, was awesome. And then uh, the ones with the ships were pretty cool, too. And they had the, yeah. the yellow ones. They just have their their helmets are tremendous. Uh, the blue ones, and then their white <laughs> uniforms with the blue shoulders that went with those white helmets uh, are awesome. Those are my favorite uh, uniforms in the conference, and uh, those helmets with the ships on them are pretty cool. And anytime you can shout out uh, to one of the service academies, uh, it, it feels good. Um, so yeah. let's go. Uh, most interesting program. Well. I think I've uh, pretty much slobbered all over these guys most of the most of the AAC portions, so I'll do it again. South Florida, uh, Quentin Flowers. For those that don't know, um, I, I mean he's he's an incredible player. Um, he had 24 passing touchdowns last year, only seven uh, interceptions, and he's also an incredibly dangerous runner as he ran for over 1,500 yards with 18 touchdowns. So you put those numbers together, you're dealing with the Heisman contender. Uh, again, I don't think he can win it because of that schedule. There's just not that marquee game. Uh, but if he puts up ridiculous numbers, who knows? He could be in the mix. I think at the very least he'll get invited to New York if South Florida has the kind of season I think they could. Um, the real reason I think it's an interesting program is Charlie Strong. Um uh, everyone, including myself, is, is pretty confident that he's a, a really good coach that just wasn't a good fit at Texas. Uh, Texas appears to be pretty well well stocked to have a nice season this year, and Charlie Strong uh, needs to get some credit for that. I think that he was close to having kind of a breakthrough, feuding that Texas, you know, made a, a very strong hire, but uh, in, you know, talking about the fairness of it is pointless. But it's it's just an interesting position that Charlie Strong is in now. He's got roots in Florida. He's a guy that really connects with that talent. Uh, the question for me is, is Charlie Strong as good of a coach as we all kind of assume that he is? Because you look at Louisville, they've kind of elevated again since he left. And that's not Charlie Strong's fault, and that's not to say that he wouldn't have done that while he was there. But 
you know, Louisville's kind of gotten even better without him. Uh, Texas, he got fired, and now South Florida. So, uh, you know, everybody thinks that he's this home run hire for them. Is he? I don't know. I, I think it's an assumption that is a, a good one, but we'll see. Can he take South Florida to a New Year's Six Bowl threat consistently? Can they be kind of that Boise State level of program in the Sunshine State, or will things kind of fall apart once the exceptional Clint Flowers takes a, you know, goes on to some position in the NFL, probably not quarterback, but something. Um, we'll see. I, I'm just excited to see uh, what kind of season they can have. I, I think they are the best non-power conference uh, program uh, this season, the best power conference, non-power conference team in the country. And I'm actually I'm, I'm going to predict that they do run the table in the regular season. So uh, that's a prediction from me that they head into their bowl game, which I think is going to be the Fiesta Bowl, but who knows? I've not had to start doing the bowl projections yet, but um, I, I am going to make that kind of bold prediction that nobody cares about uh, for them to be in a New Year's Six Bowl at 13-0. and Awesome. I am going to go the opposite direction of you and go with Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati is coming off a 4-8 and eight, um a four and eight year, they fired their coach. They hired Luke Fickle from Ohio State, uh, who's a tremendous recruiter. Uh, he only had one, that one year at Ohio State where he went six and seven. Uh, but I'm interested to see what he does recruiting the Midwest. He's a terrific recruiter in the Midwest. Uh, Cincinnati has had some staying power. Uh, you know, some when they were in the Big East, some would thought that you know maybe it, it they they looked more like a a uh, Big Ten team than an AAC team, uh, but can they get back to that that level where they're considered among maybe they could be a, a Power Five team instead of a Group of Five team? Uh, but there's a lot of talent in Ohio, a lot of talent in Ohio that leads the state, and Cincinnati uh, is, is south enough to where they could go into Tennessee, go into uh, some of those southern states and start picking players out of there. And Luke Fickle is the guy who has a tremendous Midwest connections, and it'll be uh, really intriguing what he he does at Cincinnati. Um, you know, they, they do get a, a test right off the bat in week two. They have to go to Michigan. Uh, and then, you know, we'll, we'll see what they do from there. But uh, coming off a four and eight year, they might struggle year one, but that's a program that – if they could start recruiting Ohio and, and get those guys uh, to stay home in Ohio uh, that aren't going to Ohio State, they should be pretty good. Uh, program on the rise. Real quickly, we only have two Central, minutes left. Yeah, Central Florida, uh, led by Scott Frost, otherwise known as the next head coach at Nebraska. Uh, he's killing it. I think the Knights are pretty well positioned to win a division title next season if South Florida falls off a little bit, they return um, return quite a bit and have to replace South Florida will have to replace Flowers plus a lot on defense. Um, so again, Scott Frost, I think he's a, I think he'll be at Nebraska as their next head coach within the next couple of years. I think pretty highly of him, and I know Nebraska fans do as well. Uh, so I think Central Florida, a place where if he stays there, they they could start to win. Uh, you know, eight, nine, ten games there consistently with the level of athletes they can get there in Orlando area. 
I agree with you on on Central Florida. It's another one like USF. Uh, they might not be able yep. to be great at the same time, but like you said, right. uh, USF's time could be coming to um, could be coming to a downhill slope, and UCF could be taking off. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Scott Frost does end up at Nebraska, especially if Nebraska struggles. Uh, this year in US UCF is pretty good. Anyway, that does it for today's podcast. We'll be back on tomorrow for the rest of the group of five and the SEC. Uh, so SEC. tune in tomorrow. SEC. SEC might not be the best conference in college football anymore, uh, but that's up for debate. Anyway, thanks for uh, listening, and we'll uh, get you tomorrow. <laughs>